Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring everything mysterious, cryptic, and weird in the world. Today we have a special guest, Luke Madrid from the Whole Rabbit Podcast, which is actually the best esoteric podcast on the market right now. There really is nothing better and it is rising steadily in popularity. And you know me, I'm a pretty big fan of all fringe lore, pretty equally across the board. So it's very exciting to get him on the show. Luke is a dedicated esotericist, writer, researcher, podcaster, YouTuber, and all-around master of everything other in the world. Anyway, let's just hop right into it, shall we? This is Luke Madrid from The Whole Rabbit. This is this is the way. This is the way. Welcome, listener, and we're here with Luke Madrid, host of the best esoteric podcast on the market, The Whole Rabbit. Luke, thanks for joining us. Oh, that's quite the honor you'd say that. Thank you for having me, Cryptic Chronicles. Of course, uh, they they just call me Tim. I, but um, oh, now well, be- hello, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> but now before we get into the juicy stuff, can you tell the listener a little bit about yourself so that we can get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, my name's Luke. Sometimes I go by Hack Rabbit because I used to be a DJ and throw underground mountain parties. And that used to be my thing for a while. I used to throw like little mini festivals where people could take sacrament and feel safe and explore. Um, I grew up near an Air Force base in California that launches into polar orbit. And I was a space camp counselor. So I'm a huge space nerd. And science was kind of how I got into the esoteric and symbolism and all that type of stuff in general. So what exactly is the whole rabbit about? You know, in The Shining, when Danny goes and he meets he meets the cook, mm-hmm. Dick Halloran, and they, they talk back and forth in their minds. And he, he sits down and he explains to him, you're going to see things in this hotel that other people don't see. And that's like Kubrick saying there's another layer to this film. And that's what the whole rabbit's about. The rabbit is about looking at the world for its symbolic content and decoding it to get a deeper layer of the onion, so to speak. We talk about the esoteric. We talk about UFOs, Bigfoot. We talk about Aleister Crowley. Uh, pretty much anything's fair game. That's all, you know, it's the whole rabbit. Any Anything's, the whole thing. We, we kind of try and encompass all the weirdness possible. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, it's actually one of the best podcasts out there right now that covers fringe knowledge. So um, what is the what is it that exactly sparked your interest in topics outside the mainstream? And what sparked your interest in the esoteric? What made you wake up out of the matrix, essentially? You know, what got me into magic and thinking that such a thing was even possible, I read Brian Greene's The Elegant Universe and just by reading about those early ideas about M theory, super strings, and heck, just reading about Einstein and relativity, I I got the idea that the universe was kind of this piece of art that wasn't entirely perfectly rational. It it had to have some sort of magical element to it. It had to be inherently magical to exist at all. And so I kind of got into it from that direction. And I started looking at platonic solids and I thought it was weird that there were five platonic solids. you know, if you take the definitions, like there's like five, not six, not four. And I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of worked up from there. Uh, platonic mom, solids. Yeah, platonic solids. You can only make five of them. That's like Pythagoras, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, so 
I think the conditions are they all have to be the same face and they have to make a 3D shape. And I think there's like only five answers and those are the five platonic solids. I thought that was really interesting. Like the universe has its own built-in limitations, but that's also where the magic is. Like uh, the power of the genie is within its containment. Yeah, it's like sacred geometry is literally found everywhere. Yeah. The same kind of thing where there's these archetypal like foundations that everything is built on top of. Like consider for a moment, you take all of the particles that compose the universe, you know, electron, proton, neutron, you got your neutrinos and all these like quarks that compose them and so on and so forth. And if you take big chart and you like chart like their mass and their spin and their charge and all this stuff, and they, they're like down to like the furthest decimal point. And if you changed one tiny little piece, even a little decimal point of a thing, the whole universe would cease to exist. Yeah, it would how all just even, unravel. Yeah, like how's that even possible? Like how do we exist in such a miraculous universe? How is this even possible at all? Like people ask like, you know, proof, like what's the proof for God or for divinity? It's like, well, psh, look at this. How did this happen? You know? Look at all this impossible stuff that shouldn't exist. Yeah, like you explain this. Like, you know, first, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, first you have to create the whole universe. <laughs> and on, on top of that, when you get into quantum physics and you get into the many worlds theories, it just gets even more of a brain fuck. Oh, yeah. I wonder what those are like, those other universes. Because <laughs> it's like infinite universes. It's not just one, it's literally infinite forever. And there's like, like timelines for every single action that you take that has two options. That's another timeline. That's a lot of branching timelines. That's a lot of fuck timelines, dude. <laughs> but was there anything that happened to you that kind of sparked your interest that might have been might have like been like more on the weird side that made you think that perhaps the narrative isn't as accurate as the mainstream likes to say it is? Goodness gracious, Charlie Brown. You know what? I this is strange. I you know what really made me think that first was this is gonna sound dumb, especially now that we know a little bit more about Kevin Spacey, but American Beauty. I remember I was like nine years old. I was watching American Beauty and I like, I got it. I realized there was more to the universe, but about in terms of like, see, like, uh, like what? It's like secrets and conspiracies or like magic? Just you know? like, um, it doesn't have to really have, be like defined or categorized. It could be anything. Like some people see an owl that's the size of a human. And that is the spark of what drives them to study the other. There's usually a moment for most people where something happens where they encounter the other, where they can never look at the world the same way again. It's also referred to as a black swan incident. I almost feel like I've been chasing a black swan, but I think in the chasing of like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the first thing was. I, like, I, it's hard to really say what what made me think there was more. I guess I, I'd have to blame my parents for helping me have an open mind and to question things. Oh, that's good. Yeah, my parents were very good at that as well. It's possible I was also brainwashed by the gate program, but I've just been on 4chan too much maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so there's, there's no instance where maybe, um, you know, when it comes to fringe lore stuff, there's a lot of things that appear to be one thing and people try to categorize as one thing, but rarely when you really break it down is that thing. Like when you look at John Keel and the, the ultra terrestrials, a okay. lot of these experiences that people have are not necessarily the experiences that they had. Okay, I think I, know, I, think I have the answer. I, my mom gave me a deck of tarot cards when I was a kid and I didn't really play with it until I was 21. And when I got into it, it was because I was playing World of Warcraft and my friends wanted to re-roll on a different server, which is like, God, you guys, I'm gonna have to make a new character. And I don't <laughs> like leveling up. And it was like, out of all the classes I played, next up was Mage. And for some reason I had this thought, I was like, I could probably learn actual magic the amount of time it would take me to level up this Mage. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I just pulled out the tarot cards my mom gave me. And I think my Black Swan incident was like quite a few months, maybe more than a year into reading. At, at some point, like the inner skeptic in me began to have some real problems with mm -hmm. the reading because it, in the beginning, you're like, oh, this is confirmation bias. Oh, I'm just thinking about my deeper thoughts because I'm looking at the cards. Like the cards are, are reflecting my deeper psyche and it's all just 
you know like but then at some point i was like no these cards are telling the truth every single time and it's giving me more information than i could possibly know and i'm also able to do this with other people blind all the time and it's perfect every single time and then for some you know this is back in like the old days of youtube and because i wasn't raised to believe in the devil and everyone else around me was including like i would go read like eliphas levi and he'd be talking about the devil in there i'd be like these people can't actually believe in the devil can they until my tarot cards were accurate all the time and, and that's when i had like i think my black swan moment i was like what if the world is run by the devil and i went into like a total like ontological spiritual crisis that i had to like <laughs> dig myself out of to figure out what was real and what wasn't like what do i actually believe so that that scared the hell out of me tarot cards actually that's funny because the the devil is, is pretty much just a it's a, a metaphor or it's an archetype of an entity that's just a copy of 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 a copy so though if we're looking at it from the perspective that these things are real that devil is not necessarily that devil and like the the narrative surrounding like satan and stuff they're actually kind of like kid shit especially when you break it down and you see how much stuff has been altered how much stuff has been edited how much the establishment utilized this rhetoric of satan and the devil to have power over the masses like it just doesn't add up well that's what my parents told me or led me to believe but they also didn't really lead me to believe that like tarot cards worked necessarily you know what i mean like yeah. they, I, like that scared me i didn't understand i guess i was skeptical my inner skeptic was really shook well it's good to be skeptical i like to kind of have a, a discordian way of looking at things where it's like i'll just flow with it and i'm not gonna really believe it or disbelieve it i'm just gonna go with it and wherever it goes it goes so I'm, I'm not really, I've been working really hard over like six or seven years to just get rid of all of my judgmentality and my confirmation bias. And it actually makes looking at this knowledge, this, uh, the type of stuff that I, I go over very fascinating. Whereas before my inner skeptic would have just like laughed at it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's a great key because your channel has some awesome stuff on it. Like when you break stuff down, it's like, oh, oh yeah. What about that? Um, you were talking about something about extra dimensional deities and extra dimensional entities. Oh yeah, the DMT entities. Yeah, DMT entities. That was a good list. Yeah, those are great. So, I mean, it's just basically my personal black swan was something interesting, but it opened my eyes to the fact that what we see is not what is. And humans are just kind of semi-intelligent primates. And our, our entire knowledge base is like a grain of sand in the entire ocean yeah i like, <laughs> i would I'd, I'd have to agree with that but it's some good sand yeah it is it is one good speck of sand i agree we've made some good money off this sand <laughs> so Would what's you uh concerning your topics you cover of you do all kinds of good stuff i go a little bit more into the more um like uh not esoteric stuff though i do cover esoteric stuff here and there but what's a commonly held belief about like your community and a podcast topic that you might passionately disagree with i'll start with this people really are hung up on this idea that gods have to be perfectly separate this really bothers me and it, it like people accuse me of thinking this way too much but i think they need to come over to my way of thought which is people will tell you upside down left ways and right like lucifer and satan they're the same they're different they're the same they're different or they'll be like what's another example like aramon and satan and mammon and whatever all separate entities well like honestly i think doctor who could be lucifer if you, <laughs> if you really want him to be i think i from what we know from ancient cultures the gods kind of swap around their names and their masks and sometimes their names can be even used to describe each other and I think it's kind of a primitive way to look at gods as if they're completely separate or they can't have any overlap like whatsoever. I think that's really silly. Yeah, like uh, and especially too when people think just look at esoteric stuff from a extremist religious point of view and they're just like, that's all satanic. It's oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. But then you look at the people who are who are actually in that community and they're like way better people and they're nice and not judgmental and have good lives. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Okay, so 
I don't really think Lucifer's the bad guy necessarily. And I think that Lucifer is not really Lucifer. I, I went looking for Lucifer and Luciferians. I couldn't find any of them. There's just like a few people on the internet that are like writing fan fiction and stuff. But like, well, that I name's think, even in mistranslation. Right. It's not, it's, it's kind of referring to Venus. Yeah, it's referring to the falling star, the Venus star, and it's also in reference to a Babylonian king. Insert clarity. Tim was referring to the morning star, which is what Venus was named. That's what he was trying to say, but he was being a dumb, dumb, stupid head. Yeah. (laughs) And they took that. Oh, I I forget. It could be. I forget off the top of my head. I I should have prepared that. Anyway, um... Yeah, they took that with as a mistranslation, and then they put, since he was fallen, it fit perfectly with the narrative that they wanted to tell, and boom, you have Lucifer. When yeah, we'll- so <laughs> it's, it's kind of a non-thing. Yeah. So Lucifer, honestly, it's not real. Like, I, I really, okay, people, they watch horror movies, or they, they look for secret symbolism in movies, and it's like, oh, it's all Lucifer. It's like, dude, no, it's not. That's never the answer. That's kid stuff, yeah. Yeah, That's, it's kid stuff. It's superstitious kid stuff. Yeah, like, I... I worship Lucifer for years and I don't even think Lucifer's real. I think there's something that's more real. I think Prometheus is probably a better idea. And that's the archetype that Lucifer yeah. is based on. Is uh, yeah. but there's there's many of them. You know, Prometheus is just one of these archetypes. The other one would be uh Ea, An- yeah. An- Enki, you know, there's yeah, Enki. There's uh there's so many and they're all what they essentially do, they're the light bringers who just bring enlightenment to humanity. It's sim- it's symbolized in the Greek version as fire, but it's it's enlightenment. It's uh, self-awareness, perhaps. Something of that nature. But they took that archetype and then just, I don't know, a lot of it's just corrupted over time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Lucifer's an archetype. Yeah. So that's why Doctor Who can be Lucifer. Yeah. And people don't, can't wrap their heads around that. Like, a character can represent, like, even two archetypes if, the, if they need oh, to. Oh, many. Just like humans. Them. Humans alone are, like, all the archetypes to different degrees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think the Star Wars sequels are pretty good. <laughs> That's what I disagree with the common perception. I think they're all right. You I and prob- five other people. Yeah, me and like, <laughs> me and like three dudes. <laughs> Even Mark Hamill's looking at me funny like, come on, man. Come on, dude. Come on. So tell me about the three most influential people in your life and how they impacted you. You know, I think my parents both sides, my mom and my dad, finished the generational ancestral challenge of not raising me Catholic. So I have to put those two up there. Um, And then, I mean, that's kind of a big accomplishment. Like they have been, my family has been progressively moving further and further away from having to be Catholic. And my parents got like, you know, like shit beat out of them. Really? Grown up, you know what I mean? Yeah, like Like old school. Yeah, old school nuns teaching them, telling them that, uh, earthquakes were caused by dinosaurs jumping up and down. Oh my gosh. And, so- and somehow I didn't end up in anything like that. So they had a big influence on my life. So thank you, uh, mom and dad. Who's number three? <sighs> I, to be fair, there's been a lot of mentors in my life. And the one that really comes to mind was my best friend growing up. He had an older brother named Scott. A lot of people knew him as Walter Kayak. I don't know. It, it's kind of like he 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 taught me that if you do the guitar solo more than once, it's not real. You gotta just improvise it every single time. He would freestyle rap. He was he was the coolest guy ever. Um, he was he was a victim of the opium epidemic, but like every Halloween, I put out a little altar for him, and I still have a little like amp of his. It was his uh, keyboard amp. This guy's funny. He write opinion pieces for the newspaper. When he worked at Starbucks, everyone that pulled up, he would like answer differently, like with a different voice and a different name and everything. So nobody knew who he was. He's great, dude.
Do you like food? Do you not like going places? Do you like staying home and having food brought to you? Well, you're in luck, because a thing called Blue Apron exists. With multiple pricing, there's a way to get the gourmet delicious meals under any budget. And it's totally worth it. Cryptic Chronicles would not promote Blue Apron unless it knew how good it is for you. With all the junk and everything these days, the majority of people sustain themselves on poison and don't even know it. A healthy spirit, mind, and body requires a healthy lifestyle, and the ability to take care of yourself, and feed your body all the nutrients it needs to function at its best in our highly demanding lives. You get to choose your own meals. The chef-designed recipes include balanced Mediterranean delicacies, quick one-pan dinners, and top-rated customer favorites. Unpack your home-delivered box with enthusiasm because there's a guarantee on freshness and the highest quality of all Blue Apron products and ingredients. Create magic following our step-by-step instructions, you'll experience the magic of cooking recipes that the master Blue Apron chefs created with your family's tastes in mind. With step-by-step instructions, so you never miss a beat and have to get frustrated about making the meal. I know I do that. At least, when I'm not eating a delicious Blue Apron meal that is responsibly sourced, quality ingredients like fresh produce, sustainable seafood and exclusive spice blends means you're going to have a meal that's top tier over the common fast food garbage most people eat. And Blue Apron cares about the environment, which is another reason I love them so much, with recyclable ice packs and packaging to ensure your ingredients stay fresh until you're home and ready and easily disposable for the health of Mother Earth. Do yourself a favor, and take care of your body and mind the way nature intended it, with a healthy meal that's also gloriously delicious. With Blue Apron, the yummy goodness is dropped off right to your very doorstep. So if you like food, and you like not going places, then why not try Blue Apron, and give your mind a rest from going to crowded grocery stores, and writing a list of stuff to get, only to forget half. So um, tell me about not only the three biggest influences on you as a, as a mentors, but who are the three people that have influenced you in the most in your esoteric ideology? These people can be dead and you don't have to know them. Well, Robert Anton Wilson would be number one. Oh, yeah. That crisis I talked about, my black swan moment, when I just didn't know what to think anymore. He was the one that talked me out of it. I had it, I, it was a really bad crisis. This went on for months and I was acting weird. And I was worried about everything all the time and I couldn't have any fun and nobody knew how to help me. And I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And just by listening to Robert Anton Wilson, just on YouTube, those old videos, I remember feeling like as he spoke, like the darkness like fell off of me and came out of me and went away just by him speaking. And I learned later, that's what the word guru means. It means someone who casts out darkness, like just by being around them. Mm -hmm. So he's the closest I've ever had to anything you'd call guru, right? Yeah. Uh, And if I return back to his Prometheus Rising, that's honestly the reason I got out of psychology in college. I just couldn't, I didn't find anything as coherent that whole time is anything I, like there was nothing that I had read that was as coherent as young or Robert Anton Wilson. So I was like, you know, I'm out of here. And then number two, La Mala Duquette. La Mala Duquette is a California boy. He's a Thelemite and he's one of the best tarot readers in the world. He's a really genuine, uh, great fellow. He famously wrote a book called Low Magic, which is um, about the Goetia and his experiences working as an exorcist. And yeah, he has a wonderful teaching style. He wrote Chicken Kabbalah. And the way he wrote Chicken Kabbalah was as a a character, as this funny, like, you know, Andy Kaufman and Mm -hmm. that like lounge singer persona he'd put on Tony Clifton. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this Tony Clifton Kabbalist guy, basically, who's teaching you all about uh, Kabbalah, but in a some Tony Clifton-esque kind of way. Genius. I met him a few times. Really oh, genuine did. dude. Yeah, really genuine guy. And he gave me some great tips for meeting my holy guardian angel. He had like, you know, all the few seconds to spare. And he looked right at me. He was like, hey, Luke, the holy guardian angel is the Shiva Darshana. Uh-huh. 
And I was like, whoa, man. And then it, it really helped me later on actually have the experience of meeting my HGA. So thank you, Lama Duquette. Um, I hope I, I hope I get to have you on the show someday. Great. <laughs> um, and then lastly, um, Oliver St. John. He's the head of Ordo Astri. And I had a friend turn me on to him. Uh, the, this, he has a temple called uh, the Temple of Babylon. And that's also the name of the podcast where I, I listened to some of his theories. He has, he helped me find something that made sense in the occult world. And he gave me the keys to understanding the Lima. And he gave me basically all the all the other keys I would need to meet my holy guardian angel and to put the the key into the lock and take all the, the puzzle pieces I had and put them correctly. Like he helped me kind of lay out the things that, that didn't quite fit for years and years and years. So I think if you're gonna get into Thelema, you know, you're gonna end up reading a ton of Aleister Crowley and all that stuff. And, Probably La Milo Duquette, but if you if you want to take it deeper and like you don't like tentacles in your butt, check out St. John. <laughs> and you don't He's, like tentacles in your butt? And you don't like tentacles in your butt. There's just none of that going on. It's great. We, <laughs> it's like a, a really great reconsideration of the Book of the Law, and it re-includes Rose Edith Kelly, and good stuff. Uh, who did I... Carl Jung, kind of important. Oh yeah, Carl Jung is definitely a huge influence on me. I really like how anytime you're going to watch a movie that has hidden symbolism in it, you're probably going to see the Red Book or a reference to Carl Jung somewhere because at some point, the intelligentsia of the filmmaking world got a hold of this idea that the world was made of dreams and they started weaving it into their films and it made them better, I think. Oh yeah, totally. Because it affects your subconscious, which is where the real storytelling goes. Yeah. And like, that's where we get The Shining and Apocalypse Now and Star Wars and, you know, like Taxi Driver and like all those cool movies from back in the old days that felt like they meant something. Mm -hmm. It's because they were messing around with these ideas and trying to get some answers and like really grappling with them and putting them in their art. So what would you consider yourself? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think I'm an extrovert. So? I go to a party. I'll I'll talk to everyone there. You are a DJ. You've been to Burning Man many times. Yeah. I mean, I can be the quiet guy in the corner, but generally, I like to talk to people and hang out. And I would love to do a, a live meetup for the whole rabbit and hang out and watch Apocalypse Now. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, I guess that great. makes me an extrovert. Yeah, totally. So, do you think that being an extrovert helps you as a podcaster? I think it does. Does it make it easier? It, I think it does. I like talking to people in the Discord and hanging out and just shooting the shit. Listeners, that's I like doing that. What do you think is the biggest challenge the esoteric slash occult podcast community is facing in modern times? Coron's on. Coron's Everybody on? be Coron's on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, uh, that's kind of an esoteric answer. <clears throat> Do you think uh, that it might also be that there's a lot of people, since everybody's connected now and, you know, information is like lightning fast, there's a lot of people who are for the first time getting uh, a taste of this type of stuff who have no idea what it is. And at face value, to some people who are ignorant of it, it can, it can look kind of freaky. I totally could understand that. So it I, seems, you get what I'm saying? A lot of people yeah. who cover your type of topics they tend to get like some some backlash from the mainstream because of that. Yeah, I I've noticed that a lot of the mainstream doesn't really like to talk about stuff that gets too deep. They want to keep it kind of surface level. They're not familiar with the topic. They kind of look at it as if it's evil or something. You know what? I have an answer. Hmm. When I was a kid, we were like watching X-Files. And, and like every time Mulder mentioned UFOs, we were like, yeah, man, UFOs. I, I, wouldn't that be crazy if we found out if they were real? And every episode, Mulder's like, I bet those UFOs are real. <laughs> and and we were right there with him. We were like, yeah, man, world would be totally different if we knew they were real. Like we could, we could like stop going to our jobs if we just knew. There was no reason to go because they got these machines that can go like infinite miles an hour and, 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 and limitless energy and... But now, we know UFOs are real. 
They showed the military's like, look, the UFOs. There they are on the camera. We don't know what they are. They admitted it. They, yeah. Yeah. Like, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's the problem. That's the problem. They told you UFOs are real. You don't care. They could tell you anything now. You wouldn't care. That's a problem. You should be more curious about the world you live in. Yeah, if right. If you're not a weirdo, like, just ask questions. I mean, th the truth is always going to be stranger than fiction. Absolutely. It, you know, at least entertain yourself with the truth. Try and find out what it is because you're going to surprise yourself. One of the problems is the people on the outside, they think that they already know everything. They think everything's already figured out. I heard that once as a kid. Somebody said, we are on the verge of knowing everything. It's like, no. It's like, you, 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 like, so arrogant. right. <laughs> like, y'all reduced it to the Big Bang. Like, y'all need to invoke like two or three miracles to even talk about the Big Bang. Like, you haven't figured out anything. Yeah. Like, and then it just happened. Okay. And you know what? They also don't recognize that if you actually keep track of mainstream narratives, they're always proving themselves wrong, going back on, in, on one another. Like, it's not adding up and it never has added up. No. But they don't notice that because they only live kind of a, a a narrow, you know, tunnel vision kind of a reality. Because I, was, I noticed uh, that you were talking about how Dot Darling kind of was getting some pushback. And it's kind of the same thing. These people who will attack something that they have no idea about just because it goes against the narrative. And there's some like little, you know, like buzzwords in, inside that belief or esoteric system or whatever that rubs them the wrong way. So they see it as an enemy that needs to be destroyed without knowing anything about it. In that case, I thought that was really interesting how this person's like best friends ever, like overnight. It's like, you know, I never knew anything about this person being like that, but obviously they're totally one of those people. And they like started, they're like everyone tearing each other to bits. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's like, why? It's like, it's so stupid. Well, people, people don't want the Nazis taking over. You know, people, <laughs> they don't want fascism coming to uh power again but i don't think that they understand what fascism is though see that's the thing is i really think that there is some majorly evil thing oh yeah it, it could just put on whatever mask it wants that's the thing because when you think about it man it's not the right versus the left it's normal people versus the elite it's the one percent that are the enemy it's like people like the bilderberg group and these people are on both sides playing people against each other divide and conquer you know like your millionaires and your hundred millionaires and like the richest people you probably like those people don't even count like there's a level care, yeah <laughs> like the richest person you know is probably like ridiculously poor compared to like the poorest billionaire you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there is a like the amount of difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is stupidly huge like yeah. there are people there are people that have so much power and money that you couldn't even, you can't imagine it. You'd have to look at it on some weird graph to figure it out and you'd be shocked. Yeah. Like, especially if you look at the income from the people in the Bilderberg group, there's people in there that have more money that just themselves than all the American citizens combined. Yeah. Just, what are you going to do one. about that? What are you, you going to do like, to that guy? Yeah. That guy yeah, doesn't care I mean, about your politics. Like they own us. <laughs> they own <laughs> the media. They own food. They own everything. We're just rats in a cage. But they can't, like, they can't all be bad. Otherwise, oh, yeah, we'd, be, absolutely. we'd be gone. They yeah. got like, I, I kind of would have, I'd like to imagine in my sci-fi mind that there's one group that's like their food and slaves. And then there's another group that's like, no, they're like our really dumb kids and we have a responsibility to them. You know? Yeah. I think that's kind of the two, the two minds. And if there aren't two minds, that's just how it seems to me. It seems like it kind of goes back and forth. Like, well, human nature is shades of gray. Like people who are all white or all black on the morality spectrum are like 0.001% of the population. Yeah, especially people with that much money, I would imagine. I imagine they're very gray on yeah. things. That's but most people are gray. Most, yeah. most people are gray. They're just shades of gray. And that's human nature. So like even though you do have these people in these powerful organizations, yeah, there's going to be ones that think they're the good guys and want to do good. There's ones that think that they're doing like just following nature and are kind of assholes there's ones that are completely out of touch with reality and look at themselves as like a ruling class like aristocrats or something but that doesn't mean that they're all evil i think they all think they're doing good yeah right? i think most people who think that they're the good guys yeah i think so too 
So even despite all of that, like everything is just so much crazier and intricate than people can possibly comprehend who live in that like narrow mainstream view. It's like that's that's like that's thinking that the the scum on top of a pond is the entire picture when there's an entire pond underneath. Hmm, that's an interesting way to look at it. But I mean, so let's just move on because uh, that was a fun convo, though. In your opinion, what is the most important personality trait or strength someone would need to work on a podcast about the occult? You have to be curious and you have to be ready to do some work. What do you mean by work? It takes some work to do a podcast, apparently. Apparently, you have to do things <laughs> for it to happen. And if you want it to happen more than once, you have to do it again. Crazy. So you need like a strong drive and endurance. Yeah, you have to be a self-starter and you have to be able to stick to your commitments when there's no reward for it at all sometimes. Yeah, and you, unless, just, you just do it to do it, not for any other reason. Yeah, unless you just get popular overnight, you know. That happens like, to some people. It does happen to they some people. They usually have like millions of dollars behind them as well. Yes. <laughs> and even then they can just get canceled just yeah, like that. Book totally. deal disappeared. Yeah. Just like that. So how long does it take to prep an episode of The Whole Rabbit? Like how much work and research and self-education goes into it? I really thought about this without any exaggerating or cutting myself short. I think it's about 20 hours an episode. <laughs> wow. There has to be a better way. I, I just didn't do it that way. I think the I think if I could go back and do it again, I'd do like a show every two weeks, maybe a YouTube video every month. But it is what it is, and I my favorite shows were weekly, so I'd like to try and keep it that way. How do you uh, go th go about? Because you have uh, four different hosts, right? Three different hosts. We lost one yeah. recently. Yeah. What I have goes three. What goes into how how do they assist in putting an episode together for you? Have you ever seen Fight Club? Yeah. It's like Project Mayhem. You just <laughs> you don't talk about it. The first rule of Project Mayhem is. Uh, you do not ask questions, I guess. Right? <laughs> you know, like it's a passion thing. So if somebody feels passionate about it and they want to go on what I call active duty and <laughs> contribute every single week, that's up to them. And then it becomes like kind of I think a, a point of like pride and duty a little bit. It's a it's kind of a social experiment, and I, I guess so. You're, it's hard you're to the talk one about like doing stuff. all the research, though, right? And, and like putting down the notes. For most of the show's history, yeah, I write most of the notes. And then more recently, since last year, I've had Heka Astra helping me with the notes. And she's a fantastic researcher. We have a combined passion uh, for ancient Egypt. And I'm getting her into esoteric Thelema right now. But in general, she's an, she's an incredible researcher. Sometimes we'll get into something that's too silly. like. But that can be or, fun. Yeah, exactly. Like she knows the real like history, mythology, language, hieroglyphics, all the all the really it, like, you know what I mean? If yeah. we're going to talk about like alien races and stuff, she's like, I'm out. Uh, she doesn't like that stuff. I love that stuff. I just, no, I think I don't think she has a problem with it. She's just like she has like a 200 IQ and it, and if she wants to write something it's going to be good. Oh wow. Like grief. Yeah, she's really cool. She's helped a lot. And but other than her it's it's mostly it's mostly me. And M Malcor helps uh map out some of the larger ideas and uh helps fact check me and keep me on track and he he knows esotericists and occultists in real life and um he kind of has other brains to bounce ideas off of in the field and he's he's a great resource as well. And then uh, Mari, she knows like everything you could ever know about cartoons and graphics and design and like advertising. And she knows a lot about science and she's all around very into, she's a very interesting person. She's so between, very entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's definitely off the cuff. She kind of, she's like the, the black sheep uh, politically, you could say, like, I feel like it, she's going to say something that's going to get me canceled someday. Guaranteed. She's hilarious. <laughs> So, and I noticed also in your the details of your episodes, there's like 20 million books that you use as reference. Yeah, we try and use as many books as we can. Uh, it, in, you know, Wikipedia's gotten better since I was in high school. It really has. It has. Yeah, like there's more stuff on it. Um, 
and it, we find stuff from everywhere. Uh, Hekka's got a ton of books, so she pulls from her shelf all the time, especially if it's really old stuff. And yeah, I'll dig anything up. I don't care where where I'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah, your topics are so all over time. the place, which is actually really good. A lot of those types of esoteric podcasts, they they get too um, like narrow in their topics that they cover. I'm glad that yours is very expansive. Thank you. I would like to keep it fresh. There's a part of me that wants to make it a variety show, like uh, Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. I would say that's I'd a good idea. Yeah. You're already kind of getting there anyway. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Like in, uh, like in the network, mm -hmm. you know, the the end of the movie, how like it says all these different stations. It's like, oh, now your horoscope. Like, that's hilarious to me. That'd be, it'll probably never be like that, but. You well, yeah, but in a more serious way. Yeah, yeah. Well, as serious as you guys can get. You're all, you exactly. guys are hilarious. Thank you. So, I, go on. It's good to have a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Also, if you can't, it, you're probably not learning if you're not laughing. You have to laugh in order to learn. You have to play in order to learn. You have to be willing to be wrong and investigate things you normally wouldn't. So, I think those are the other qualities. Yeah, and not take yourself too seriously. Exactly. Which is where the humor comes in. It makes everything better. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. So have you been changed or how have you been changed in comparison to the version of you before the whole rabbit to your present self? What has or has not changed? I'm a cat person now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the most tangible thing that happened to me after my theophany. I By researching on the show, I came into contact with enough information that caused my brain to... I guess glimpse the other the other world, catch a vision of of uh, God or something like that. If you if you've ever read Philip K. Dick's Valis, whatever happened to me has definitely happened to other people. And it was by learning about the things that I was passionate about, I feel like I finally got some answers. So, I and I guess I went through some alchemical stages when when I when I went through that stage it was i was really harebrained and like really like kind of like frantic and crazy but i was still doing shows right mm -hmm. and then as as the year went by and then the second year went by i kind of came across things in my studies that helped me understand what i went through and helped me decode some of the raw downloads i got from the universe because if anyone's really spiritual there's probably been once in your life where you felt really close to God or the goddess or, you know, the space aliens that talk to you or whatever. Like, you know, you've probably had one time in your life where you felt really close to them. And that happened to me by working on the show. Like, it led me closer to the answers that I needed to get. And they blew my mind. It led you to Gnosis? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's a really discreet, like, that's, yeah, that's what happened. The Gnosis got me.
there. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. Hello, dear listener. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? A spiritual or esoteric experience? Have you ever seen a UFO or something that you could not explain? Have you ever witnessed anomalous activity that defies reality? Have you ever experienced unexplained mysteries of existence? If you have your own cryptic tale and would like to have it shared on the podcast, then call 1-800-757-6049 and leave a message of your experience. If it's what Cryptic Chronicles is all about, then it will be shared on the show. Just make sure you thought about what you will say ahead of time, and give a clear and concise account. Also make sure to leave your name, where you're from, or any information that will assist in making a clear picture to portray to listeners of Cryptic Chronicles. Once again, call 1-800-757-6049. That's 1-800-757-6049. We look forward to hearing from you. You got the, because there's so many different levels and different types of enlightenment. That's too broad of a statement to say. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but it is that as well. I'm sure that you've leveled up a lot on that, like uh, levels of enlightenment. And also personal willpower. You probably have incredibly gained a lot of that. Yeah, I, I worked on that for a long time, like making my willpower sharper and stronger and better. But like, I don't know if it was anything like that, that like... The experience I had, I really wish it had given me the ability to shoot lasers out of my eyes, well, yeah. walk through walls, mm-hmm. and I, I think gold dust would be a good one. You know, like Sai Baba, like you just like go whoosh, the and best, and gold. The best actually is the ability to teleport farts. So you teleport farts out of your out of your butt into people's mouths. I just do that to Prince Andrew all day. That is the best superpower. All other superpowers other than that are just, they're bunk in comparison. This is but known. I became, like, I, for some reason, cats like me now after <laughs> I had this experience. Um, I feel like I used to really wonder if there was something on the other side or if it was all just like really complicated psychological mumbo jumbo or like a trick of the mind or wishful thinking or fear of death. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure though now there's, there's a thing. So you need There's to a... read the book called Subliminal, and okay. uh, it basic it's all about neuroscience. And uh, humans actually are pretty incapable of comprehending things in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. And a lot of what we see in our memories and our vision is actually implanted there from our subconscious. It's like a, it's hard to explain without getting too boring and dry. But it, it when you come down when it comes down to neuroscience and it comes down to human sense organs, it's they're not accurate. And we're actually incapable of seeing a lot. This is part of the horror in The Shining, actually. The way it's shot. There are impossible windows. Things don't lead. Like, it's a maze that doesn't make any sense. And because you're not paying attention, you don't notice it, but your subconscious notices it. And it helps build the horror. 
And it's it's Kubrick's way of telling you like there's a lot more to things. And you if you just realize that your subconscious is filling in all these blanks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If you take a look at something and really look at it, you'll start to unravel things. And that really that really got me. Yeah, it also filters stuff out. Like earlier, I mentioned somebody who saw like a human-sized owl. That was not an owl. <laughs> Dude, if I saw that size owl, I'd be terrified. Yeah. Well, you're, the subconscious created that image for that person because it didn't know what the fuck was looking at. <laughs> so it just worked with what it had. I, I, have, I haven't had that many high strangeness experiences, honestly. Besides that when theophany I had... But I've heard stories about, like, there's this idea that if you see an owl and it accompanies strange phenomena, that your brain might be hallucinating. Yeah, we're hallucinating it. Exactly. That because I that's not from me. That's from a book I actually just finished yesterday called Messengers, and it Mm. talks about a ton of those accounts with owls. Isn't famously David Lynch say that too? Like owls are not what they seem. Yeah, that's why they're they're in Twin Peaks. (sighs) That's spooky. Because that seems to be one of the go-to fillers that our, our subconscious pumps out for when we see something other. Did you ever watch Milo and Otis as a, as a kid? I did, but that was like a long time ago. This scene with the owl was so scary. <laughs> it scared the hell out of me, dude. That's one of the scariest scenes in a movie ever. I wish I could remember. I can't off the top of my head. Yes, because it was frightening. Oh, I probably filtered it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's spoopy. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating how human beings are just, depending on what paradigm or, or what thought process you want to go from, what, what view of reality you, you want to see, when you really break it down, we're infants. Like, we are not very advanced at all. That's kind of what Thelema says. We're in the age of Harpocrates, the crowned and conquering child. We're kind of like teenagers as, as a species. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe close to like eight-year-olds even. Well, just our vision too. There's there's animals who can see a hundred thousand million times better than us. Like they really? see the Wi-Fi, they see the radio signals, they see all of the weird shit going on all around us that are blind. That's blind to us. Yeah, that'd be cool to be able to see X-ray. Yeah, like they 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 see in ways that probably we would it would break our brain if we just like instantly received it because we're it would be so alien to us. It might drive us insane. That's what happens when people eat. Too much fungus. <laughs> See too much. <laughs> too much ayahuasca. <laughs> Only drink one cup, not ten. It's not working. It's not working. It's not. It's working. <laughs> Puking for six hours straight. <laughs> it's working. I would hate that. Oh man, but you you have some. It's like DMT, but for six or seven hours. So much puking, Mo. Yes, there's going to be a lot of puking. So if you were going to write a book. What would you, what would you write? What would it be about? If I were to write a book, what would it be about? I I would want it to be a little bit how Robert Anton Wilson explains the puka. Mm-hmm. And now, if you look up puka, it's usually a flaming horse, but it sometimes it's just a giant rabbit. It can be many different things, but the way Robert Anton Wilson. Oh, is that where it, you got your idea for the whole rabbit? It's from a lot of different. I don't know actually. I, you know, rabbit hole was taken. Yeah. I like rabbits. Um, but I wanted, I want, if I write a book, for it to be how Robert Anton Wilson explains the puka, where he kind of kidnaps you and he takes you on like this whirlwind journey of like all the world's knowledge and mythology. And he takes you all through uh, the Odyssey and Star Wars and the Passion of Christ and the Bhagavad Gita and everything Mark Twain ever wrote and he takes you to everywhere you could possibly go and by the end of it he just drops you back off where you were like a few feet from where you were that that evening and nobody believes you that's what I want (laughs) I want the book to just have like a little bit of everything so you could almost open it up at any point and be like oh that's really interesting what the hell what the hell and you just have to keep flipping that's what I want wait so it wouldn't have a, a cohesive narrative I think it would it would have a cohesive narrative but it would weave through so many places that anywhere that you open the book, you'd want to read more. That's the idea, no matter where you started. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that would work, though. That would be really hard to write, man. It might. 
Well, because you know, like, if you think about it, you got to have like, if you're going to do, well, what kind of story is it? Is it going to have a hero that, because then you got to have like the journey that the hero goes through and, and he has to change. Oh no, it's all nonfiction, supposedly. Anyway, it would be, it would not be fiction. It would just be about the world. Oh, just like literal. Okay, then it would work then, yeah. It would be like, did you know that, did you know what the Nazis thought about the Bhagavad Gita? Like weird stuff like that. What did they think like, about the Bhagavad Gita? Now, not all of them thought this, and, and some very fringe uh, not Nazi mystics uh, thought of the interaction between Arjuna and Krishna as inspiration for doing bad things to people. Ugh. Because we know from that story that Arjuna's like, I don't want to hurt these people. They're like my family, you know? And Krishna's like, listen, buddy, come over here. See these multi-heads? <laughs> see these multi-arms? Do it! Do it now! <laughs> Arjuna's like, okay, okay, okay. And so, like, th there were people that thought uh, they thought they were frost giants. That's kind of weird. But, you know, to be fair, Herodotus believed in frost giants. You know? And the next thing you know, we're talking about frost giants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we just keep on going to the next topic. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who still think that there's giants out there, or that giants existed. Specifically from the Abrahamic beliefs, there's the Nephilim. This really threw me for a loop because I didn't believe any of that stuff until I started researching. And Hekka found some amazing stuff. Apparently, whenever they dig these things up, like if it's somebody working on a house or, you know, usually it's somebody doing construction. They're doing mm. digging and they run across these giant bones. And they're like, oh, dang. And there's like one or two things that happen. Men in black come. Yes, there's that's the first one, Men in Black. Um, <laughs> or they go to the Men in Black. They go to the local priest, and they're like, look what we found. And they're like, oh, this is like a huge discovery. You're going to get credit, and I'll tell the right people. And so just let me take the bones, and um, I'll go give them to the – and then they never heard of again. They come back, uh, and the priest's like, what bones? What are you talking what bones? about? Yeah, like that. that's pretty common. Another thing that sounds just like Occam's Razor, they find the bones – they're like, well, we could tell somebody and it could screw up our entire construction project or we could just throw them away, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that happens. And it's basically I became convinced of the possibility that there may have been giants and that the Hebrews that uh, settled the Holy Land may have displaced some of them. If you listen to their stories, which is kind of interesting. And then they show up in the Odyssey. And those might even be the same ones. They may have gone, you know, where what, they may have gone to those islands, you know, mm -hmm. like, like all around that part of the world and escaped and got away. And I don't know. It's kind of fun to think about. I don't know if it's true. but Yeah. And there's so much we don't know about it. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's extremely fun for me to think about. I've, I've actually really that's a topic I love to research. Nephilim in particular, not necessarily giants. Yeah. And like we do like to research dark things, too. So like we will talk about like the weird mysticism of the third Reich because like I grew up with my dad watching the history channel and they tell you every episode, like Hitler was into the occult. He had some weird ideas. And then at some point I'm like, what weird ideas, you the know, real society. Yeah. Real. Like they are in some stupid, wacky bullshit. <laughs> and then it's, it's, it's fun to look at what people believe, what wacky bullshit. That's one yeah. of my favorite things to do. Because a lot of the time, it's like these these geniuses that believe this weird stuff that goes way outside of the herd. And it's like, why why would they these geniuses be so interested in this subject that to us looks ridiculous? There has to be something there, you think. But, you know, it was a different age. They didn't have all the technology that we had. To totally different paradigm, um, you know, cultural indoctrination. So it just gets murky. Can we even break the chains of our minds to look at stuff in a new way? I certain, I certainly hope so. As as long as everybody's included. Yeah. And you know, we get some some answers that, um, no matter what they are, hopefully we can make the world like a, a better place, a like a maybe a less frantic place where we, where we don't have to work so hard to have so little. <laughs> <laughs> well, those stuff could always get better, but it could also get worse. It's true. So we should be happy for what we have, too. Yep, always be happy for what you got. So, Luke, um, where can the listener find you? Where can they find your podcast? How can they get a, get about coming and like checking out all of your content? Well, firstly, 
if you listen to podcasts, we're available pretty much everywhere. Podcasts are hosted. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We're probably there. You just type in the whole rabbit. Nextly, if you'd like to hear our extended shows, because our extended content makes the episodes twice as long, and there's a convenient RSS feed for our subscribers on Patreon. So if you go to www.patreon.com slash the whole rabbit, $5 monthly donation will get you all our extended shows. I'll send you a sticker and you can even come to our Discord server where we hang out and talk about really weird, fun stuff. Don't you have a YouTube channel too? I, I do. Um, we're on YouTube under the whole rabbit. Uh, you know, I haven't put anything out lately because I've been traveling and... Uh, the last few videos I did, I animated them, and I really liked how those came out, but I haven't had time to do those. So, All right, everybody. So go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Go subscribe to whatever podcast hub you use. Subscribe to The Whole Rabbit right now. Yes, subscribe right now and listen to the weird, weird stuff we talk about. I hope it makes your daily grind a little more fun. That's the whole idea, after all. Oh, yeah, and we if you like Cryptic Chronicles, you're going to love The Whole Rabbit. All right, Luke thank Madrid, you. thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you're you're a great host. Thank you. We'll hope to see you again on, on the show at a future time. I'd be honored. Thank you for having me once again. And um, I guess eat carrots and shoot lasers? <laughs> you got it. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> later. that's all for today's episode if you enjoyed my interview with luke go check out the whole rabbit and there will be a link to his podcast his youtube channel and his patreon in the details cryptic chronicles is available on itunes spotify podbean spreaker stitcher google podcasts and pretty much all podcast hubs you look for us we're there if you can listener please make sure to like comment or review wherever you hear this content the interaction makes algorithms like the episode, and so we'll spread it and help grow the show. Though Cryptic Chronicles is free to listen to, the cost to produce it, and the time, is substantial. By pleasing the gods of the algorithm, you are doing more than your fair share in support. And if you really, really like Cryptic Chronicles, and you happen to be awesome, then support the show on Patreon. For just a dollar, you can unlock full uncensored shows with no ads or anything like that and be able to listen to episodes months before available to the public. You will get access to some exclusive episodes and depending on the pledge, can even do other awesome stuff. You'll also be able to come join the Discord, choose a topic for either a YouTube video or a podcast episode and basically help steer where the show's gonna go and what content we're gonna cover. I've also been streaming, just uh, for patrons only, Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm going to do this just once in a while on the Patreon because I don't want to... My stuff's obviously not about video games. But I thought it would be cool just to give that as a special treat to supporters. And it will always be around like somewhat creepy or trippy stuff just once in a while. And I will like talk about the lore of the video game. The creepier or trippier, the better. So if you'd like to support Cryptic Chronicles for a single dollar, please just go to crypticchronicles.com at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault. It's a link to Patreon, and you'll be good to go. Thank you so much, it means a lot to me. I know times are tough, so just basically just you, me entertaining you, and you enjoying yourself listening to Cryptic Chronicles is more than enough payment to me, a hundred times over. So by no means don't ever feel obligated to support me in any way outside of just, just enjoying it. That's what I want first and foremost. As always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, The Armed Trotsky, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Brodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, 
Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, and our newest patron, Dale Adams. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced. Let me know if I got that wrong. Anyway, thanks for supporting Cryptic Chronicles, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the most influential esotericists in history once said, you can only accomplish your objective in life by complete disregard of the opinions of other people. <laughs>